0: just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You are the recipients of God's
1: grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality.
0: Welcome to Life Today Live. I'm Randy Robinson. Good to have you watching today. You know, scripture talks about God hating divorce, and that's obviously very strong. Uh, He does not hate divorcees, and I think that's an important distinction. Why does he hate divorce? Well, it tears at something that is sacred, which is marriage. Uh, And when it happens in the church, it can be very painful uh, for not just the, the family, obviously for the family, but also for the church body. Uh, And and hard for us sometimes to know how to navigate properly. Well, we're going to talk about that today with someone who went through uh, a painful one. Uh, And uh, her and her husband were at the helm of a very successful megachurch, multiple campuses, about 7,000 people attending every weekend. And then uh, uh, the the pastor resigned suddenly uh, and then the wife our guest today filed for divorce with biblical cause uh, and and she's writing about uh, the rebuilding process uh, and in fact has a book out available now it's called better than okay it's by brandy wilson and the subtitle says finding hope and healing after your marriage ends so if you have been through this whether personally in your family and your church family um we're going to we're going to get real and raw here with the hope that you can start to find some healing and navigate what is a, a very painful, oftentimes confusing situation. So we appreciate you guys watching. Chat is open if you're watching us live. If you're watching the replay, as I say, we appreciate your kind comments. <laughs> the mean <laughs> ones just get deleted. So don't don't waste your time. Brandy, great to have you on Life Today Live.
1: Thank you, Randy. I'm super excited to be with you today.
0: So, this is uh, a hard story. I'm sure to tell, um, but I think it's an important one to to help others who find themselves in this very difficult situation. Uh, take us back to the point where you want to kind of pick up, uh, so that we can, you know, get to the good part, the the healing part uh, of of this rough journey you've been on. And by the way, I, I fully acknowledge that it's sensitive. It's difficult. Uh, and and that's really why I appreciate you being willing to talk about it, so thank you for that, but take us back where Uh you'd like.
1: Yeah, I um, just to give a little backstory and context for your readers, I know you hit on some of it, um, but I married my college sweetheart, and um, right out of the gate, we actually planted, started a church in Kentucky, and served there for five years, and then in um, 2000, and one, we moved to Nashville, Tennessee and planted a church here in 2002, Cross Point Church. And served there, as you said, it was um, busting at the seams. It was very successful. Lots of people were coming to Christ. Um, personal growth was happening, change was being made. There were multiple campuses, one of the fastest growing churches in America. And in September of 2016, my husband suddenly resigned um and what kind of unfolded after that resignation was just devastating life as i knew it ended um life imploded and i think we can both acknowledge that when your life um kind of implodes like that and publicly falls apart it's been falling apart behind the scenes for a while Mm -hmm. so i did know that there were issues i knew there were things going on i was searching for truth um But even in the midst of knowing things at home were tough and behind the scenes, it was really hard. I didn't expect it to implode at the level it imploded. Mm. Um, So I found myself um, divorced in early 2017 and 42 with three sons that I was trying to just figure out what life looked like. So um, my husband at the time walked away from our marriage and walked away from the church and that ministry we had started and our family unit. Um, and I just started figuring out if it was possible for me to walk through what I had walked through, and one day be better than okay.
0: Hmm. You know, I think the the question that people in your situation have to answer, and I, 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 I just I sympathize with you because I, I don't know how I don't know how you answer it really is. Do you, so? Do you go with the you know love covers a multitude of sin kind of approach, or do you? Do you walk away from a situation? You know, how do you know when to stay, when to go?
1: Yeah, well, I will tell you, I think it, there is not a blanket answer for that. Right. Um, I, a couple of things that were very definitive for me was I was actually dealing with a pattern and not an event. Mm. I was dealing with a pattern of infidelity, I was dealing with a pattern of, you know, lies, I was dealing with a pattern of manipulation. So what I was dealing with was something that had been going on since the beginning of my marriage. Mm -hmm. Now, I was privy to all of that happening at the time. um, But once that became clear to me that this is a pattern of behavior, Mm -hmm. and that it takes two people to reconcile and repair a marriage, and only one, myself, was willing to do the work that it took. Mm. I think that's pretty clear. Um, I also didn't make that decision on my own. I was very close, clinging to God, Um, In the midst of making that decision. And I also had friends who had been in my life for many, many years. I kept a very tight circle. I went from being surrounded by thousands of people every weekend to talking to three people and my therapist on a regular basis. And, but those three people had longevity in my life. Um, They were people I trusted. They were people who loved me for me. Um, So between, you know, leaning in and clinging to God and those that support system he had given me, I was able to make that decision to, you know, walk away from my marriage. My ex-husband had actually walked away, so I just had to make the decision to file. He was mm-hmm. done. Um, But I was able to make that decision pretty clearly. Um, And it doesn't mean I didn't double guess it at times and wondered if I'd <laughs> done the right thing. But at, sure. at the same time. You know, it takes two people to repair a rupture.
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah. So what were, what were the phases? I mean, was was it anger? Was it grief? Was it just, just hurt? I mean, I'm sure they're swirling. But what was yeah. what was what was going on in you?
1: Yeah. I think the first thing that happens is denial. Mm. Um, as I said earlier, I was looking for the truth. I, um, I knew that I did not know everything that was going on. I knew that I had been privy to all the information that was happening behind the scenes. Um, so I think I functioned in denial. i had spent, you know, 20 years. I had been with him. We met when we were 19 and dated for three years and got married and had, you know, a really beautiful family, three incredible sons, um, and had created a organization, a church that I loved being a part of and serving in. And not because it was large, but because I felt like God had placed that in my life to serve in a unique way, um, in order to grow his body and expand his reach. So, um, I think initially it was denial. And then from denial, there is anger and, um, there's depression and anxiety. I think there's a lot of when everything is turned upside down, you have more questions than you have answers. Um, And one of the reasons I didn't go out much is because the church was so large. I would always run into someone who I knew and they would ask questions that I didn't have the answers to. Mm. Um, And that was overwhelming to me. So Yeah. yeah, I think you walk through all of those stages. There's grief and then there's, you know shame that goes with that, and then there is also some acceptance of okay, this is what life is going to look like, and how am I going to choose to put the pieces of my life back together?
0: Before we get to the rebuilding process, which is really the heart of our discussion here, I, I do have one sort of side question, um, because I, I've had to grapple with this, uh, not because of you know my family or anything, but you see people who are living in a pattern of sin mm-hmm. uh, and yet you also see them being effective for bringing people to christ and that is a disconnect that you're like how does that even work but you know <laughs> you look in scripture and you see nothing but god using fallible people to accomplish his you know yes. infallible work um mm-hmm. did you wrestle with that you're like how do how does how do you build a big church when you know we're so full of fault, and you know just doing wrong things on, over here. But on Sunday, it seems like God's blessing. And you, did you struggle with that disconnect a little bit?
1: I for sure struggled with that disconnect. And to be honest, Randy, I think that that's one of the reasons that um, things went on as long as they did. Yeah. I think that there is this belief um, when you are married to a pastor who is super successful and a church is growing and. Um, Everywhere I went, I ran into somebody telling me how amazing Uh, my ex-husband was. I ran into someone saying like, hey, that message he did gave me the courage to start a business or that message saved our marriage or I've never heard the gospel presented in this way. And I actually have a personal relationship with God now. So when everyone around me is telling me how amazing he is, and I realize the person I'm living with is not the same person they're talking about. (laughs) There's a point where it's like, I must be the problem.
0: Mm.
1: So, and then I'm also told like you need therapy and you're insecure and you're not a great leader and and you're being told these things that just devastate you and hold you down. So, um, I think for a while i really believed that i was the problem and i was the weak link and if i you know were to do anything where i spoke up for myself then i could bring down the ministry that god had built Um, so it's a tough place to be
0: yeah yeah yeah. and you know that i think is a dangerous idea as well because Mm
1: -hmm.
0: if god builds it i don't see man bringing it down right
1: i 100 percent agree
0: and and the thing is the scripture tells us that, the, you know, his word doesn't come back void. And and yeah. so the where I've landed in seeing, I mean, because, I mean, we were there through the, you know, from the Jim Baker days, you know, I was a kid seeing that go down. Uh, yeah. And I've seen a lot of scandals because when people get in trouble, especially pastors, a lot of times they'll come to my dad um, mm-hmm. and you go, you just go, how this person that I thought was so godly and holy yeah. is really jacked up. Mm-hmm. and and what i the place i've come to is that that you you can be the you know pretty bad person but if you're preaching truth the truth has mm-hmm. an effect on people yes and god will put up with a lot he is incredibly patient wanting all of us to come back to him you know none to perish uh and and so i think you do you we have to We have to get rid of that man centered pedestal and recognize that we're all fallible to a degree Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and but we're all accountable to the same degree. Um, Anyway, those are just my thoughts, because that's, you know, that for a lot of people, what I hate to see is when they realize that their pastor or spiritual leader is -hmm. not perfect, that they Uh they discount God somehow, because it's like, yeah, I mean, none of us are perfect. Um, but even some people that really mess things up and have deep issues, uh, when they're speaking God's word, there is power there. Uh, but it's not their power, it's God's power.
1: anyway. Yes, for sure. That's my okay. Thank (laughs) you. you. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. We're on
0: the same page. (laughs) That that's my my soapbox for the day. Um, okay, let me let me hit the book again real quick. This is better than okay. And we're gonna talk about how to get better than okay with Brandy Wilson. So <laughs> Brandy, things are falling apart. You're questioning yourself. I don't know if you're God in the process, but yes. how did you start that road back to wholeness across the board?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, um, yes, I, there are a few things I did. I think one of the things I did, Brandy, is I did just cling to God and you said, question God, I did. I mm-hmm. It didn't make sense to me. And I went to him with all of that. I just didn't go in the, you know, asking for hope or asking for reconciliation. I also went in the frustration. I went in the anger. Mm-hmm. I, you know, showed up doubting um, and he continued to stay there with me. So I think, um, you know, one of the main things that happened is I was able to create a secure attachment with God, my father. And and we talk about that. That is actually, you know, attachment science is something that's talked about a lot in regards to parenting and relationship. And I think for me, what had to happen is I had to have that secure attachment with God that he was going to stay through mm-hmm. my doubt and my questioning and my yelling and screaming and maybe occasionally saying a bad word or two. He was going to stay through it all. Um, so I, I, Pretty quickly started doing something that is super simple, um, but I just believed that even though nothing around me felt good, my circumstances didn't feel good, what was going to happen in my life didn't feel good. I believed that God was still good. So I actually pulled off a journal that was had been on my bookshelf for a while, dusted it off, and I took an orange Sharpie, and I wrote Focus on the Good on the front of that, and I started... You know, what I now recognize as a gratitude practice, but I would make myself list somewhere between three and five good things every day before I went to bed um, that just recognized that God's goodness is still around me. God is still good to me. And I think that was such a perspective shift um, because I could have stayed in nothing is good mm-hmm. um, and I wouldn't have been able to rebuild and step into living a healthy life. Um, and deal with the, you know, dysfunction and bad habits that needed to be dealt with at that time. So that gratitude practice is very simple, but also was a game changer for me. Um, I also started journaling more. It, It just extended me as a writer. It's probably where the book started in the early days of my separation of me just wanting to have someone to talk to. So I started putting words on paper as prayers to God and um in doing that i was able to really start to lean into my emotions and start to recognize myself again Mm -hmm. i think um i you know i am a really great partner and i'm a good mom and Mm -hmm. i love doing those things loving my people well and in the process of that i had lost myself so i had to start really in my journal like who am i what is the truth about me i'd been living in this Unhealthy marriage, being told these things that I had began to believe. So I had to really go back to who is Brandy? What does Brandy love? How did God uniquely create her? What does he have for her? Mm -hmm. Can anyone take God's call on my life? Does that leave when a role or a title is taken Mm -hmm. away? And the answer is no, no one can take God's call on my life except for him. Um, so I had to settle back in that he could still use me. He still wanted to have a relationship with me. Being dis- divorced did not disqualify me from ministry um, and from having that relationship with him.
0: You know, I, and I want to point out that that is not self-centeredness, what you were talking about. That is honesty. And, yes. and I, I love uh, in your in your book, by the way, you, you back to something you said a minute ago. One of your chapters is called I Cussed a Lot. <laughs> How grief can taste like tears and sound like swearing, and and I just want to ask a quick question about that because you know in, in the church we we condemn that we're like ah. and I'm not advocating advocating cussing or what, whatever, uh, I'm yeah. advocating honesty and transparency because here's my question for you, when you took your negative emotions uh, uh-huh. and your questions and your doubts, which is rooted all in hurt, when you took all that to God. What response did you feel from him? Because I know it wasn't condemnation.
1: No, I felt his presence with me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Randy, I think that chapter title, I, I did. I wanted this to be a super vulnerable look of what some a look inside somebody's life who's walking through divorce. Because yeah. I didn't have, I was looking for this resource um, as a Christian woman walking through divorce. I couldn't find it. So I'm like, oh, maybe I need to create it. Um, But I wanted it to be authentic to who I was. And I didn't stand on stages and, you know, cuss into a microphone. I did that in the privacy of my home when my kids were having to leave for a weekend. I'd see them out the front door, you know, close the door, lock it. And that's when I was like, I'm over this. And this is not fair. And I didn't No one has children and looks at them and the hospital and says, I can't wait to spend even numbered Christmases and every other weekend with you. It's Mm. just not what any of us foresee when we become parents. So I believe that that negative emotion has to leave your body. You should let go of it. You do not need to hold it in. There is a difference in feeling bitter and living a life of bitterness Um, and all of those are normal. They're what make us human feeling those negative and those positive emotions. I think the, it's the response you give them that either allows them to exit your body or creates a reaction that is harder for you to be able to deal with.
0: Well, and and I think when, when scripture says not to let a root of bitterness spring up, how Mm -hmm. do you, how do you grow something that's in the ground? Well, you, you bury it and you just water it. What you're saying is you uprooted it
1: yes totally pulled that weed out for sure yeah Yeah. and i had moments of you know hopelessness and bitterness and anger and frustration and all of that is normal i just didn't let that define my life Mm -hmm. i acknowledged it i felt it when the tears needed to come they came i just didn't allow that to be the way that all of my life functioned. I wanted to be able to create a healthy home and a healthy environment for my kids. Mm-hmm. You know, I am walking through all of this grief and this shame and and discovering all this stuff about myself. And I have three really impressionable sons watching it all happen. Yeah. And my kids were young and they were also old enough to know some of the stuff that had happened behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. My kids actually knew stuff that I did not know. Mm-hmm. They told me it was divorce Um, so how can I be that example to them of like, yeah, this is life is hard. And still, I believe that God is there for us and he is going to be with us through the hard and through the beautiful and through the ordinary, um, that happens every day. So I think for me to, how can I be this example to my kids of a relationship with God? That's real. Um, really became my goal. Taking care of myself and my own emotional health directly impacted my children. Yeah. So those are things that were important to me because I knew the legacy it was going to leave.
0: Was there ever a temptation to wallow in a victim mentality?
1: Um, wallow. I don't think there was ever a temptation to wallow. I think I do remember, um, this is a funny story i don't (laughs) i've told this before but i do remember um pretty early on i sold the family house and bought a new house for the boys and i just as a fresh start and i had lived here just a few months and um, i had a girlfriend who had had a baby and i was going to take her lunch that day um so i got my stuff done got the kids off to school you know made some lunch for the two of us and i went to get in my car to leave and my car had a flat Mm. And, um, so I backed it out of the garage and, you know, I have to take care of it myself and I'm trying to jack it up and, and I'd changed tires before all <laughs> of that kind of stuff, but this Jack didn't get it up anyway. It wasn't working Randy. So <laughs> I was just kind of at the end of my rope and it, it was hot. That was in the sun. It was hot in Nashville. And I came inside and closed my door and just like, I just, I was mad. I was screaming. I was crying. I was telling God how unfair this was. I was trying to do something good for my friend. And here I am with a flat tire. And and I finally like settled down enough and sat on my couch. And I remember realizing, like, it doesn't matter. The relationship that I was in, if I had been married, I'd still been taking care of that flat tire by myself. I never had the help when it came to things like that. So at that point, I was like, this isn't because of what he did. This is because this is the life I lived. Um, And how can I do things differently? And I walked to my neighbor's house and I knocked on the door and I said, can your husband help me with this flat tire? Mm -hmm. And he got a couple of two by fours, put the jack up on it. He had it done in like 15 minutes. But it's that shift of like, okay, something was done to me. Am I going to live life out of that? Or am I going to try to make healthier patterns? And I chose to ask for help, which is really hard for me. Mm. But I asked for help and someone responded. Mm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think so often we don't ask for what we need. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, I part of the reason I also wrote this book was people are all have someone in their life who has been through a divorce or going through a divorce or will go through a divorce. How do you support them? And I think often when people are going through trauma, whether it's divorce or death or you know loss of a job or abuse, we will say in passing, because we care, what can I do for you? And the person who's going through that trauma, they honestly don't know what they need. And if they did need, do, did know what they needed, they probably, you know, you're not the person who would be able to give that to them. Mm-hmm. So I think when we're trying to help people walking through divorce, um, and other traumas, it's really important to communicate with them with options of, Hey, I would love to bring you dinner. I can either leave it on your porch. I can bring food over and cook in your kitchen and we can have a meal together. Or if you're up for it, I'll meet you at a restaurant and take you out. And we give them options so that they have some power in their life to make decisions and to actually tell you what they need. Um, because, We don't want to bother people. It took everything in me to ask for help that day. He was more than willing to come over and spend half an hour helping me get my tire changed. Um, So, yeah, I think when people are walking through that, we want God to put people around us. Part of him putting us around us is for us to use um, our words and ask for what we need.
0: Well, yeah. And when you've been um, hurt in front of community it can make it real hard to want to go back to community for sure and yet that's that's just you look i can we could walk through the scripture or i can tell you stories of people and god mm-hmm. he likes community you know yeah. he says we're his yeah. hands and his feet then and he's like i'm gonna let you you need to be that and so whichever side if someone watching is on you know someone who's going through a difficult situation be his hands and feet and reach out and you know take brandy's advice so. and, and if you're on the other end of it don't okay. run away from community um yeah. even though you may have been hurt by it before and that's, a, that's sure. a hard a hard thing at times here's I, I get the book title better than okay because just talking to you i see <laughs> someone who is bold who is confident uh, who seems to have a level of peace and purpose, uh, am, am I misreading you, or has God restored all those things to you?
1: He has restored all of those <laughs> things to me, and um, I think the title of the book came because I started talking to a lot of women who are walking through similar situations. Mm. Um, just the platform of the church and being part of that, and then the nonprofit organization that I also do, I ended up talking to a lot of women, and their first question is, am I going to be okay? Wow. I found myself telling them from my own experience like, yeah, you're going to be better than okay. So that's where the title of the book came from. Um and it's true in my life for sure.
0: Now, where does the the website come from because it's lovebrandywilson.com. <laughs> what 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 does that mean? I'll show it's, people. It's
1: lovebrandywilson.com. I have a tattoo on my wrist that says love more that's um it, it's upside down, okay. but it's always you know, been um, just a motto of how I want to engage in relationship and engage in life is just to always show more love. And I think one of the things that I did learn um, in the course of walking through divorce and just kind of coming into my myself again was the value of bringing love to situations whether Hmm. it's marital romantic relationship whether it's parenting whether it's a work relationship just to be able to show love to people we we never know what other people are walking through and a little bit of love goes a long way um so i just wanted that reminder of yeah let's talk about love more and how to do it well
0: Love it. Okay. There's the website again. I flashed by it pretty quick last time. Lovebrandywilson.com. And last question for you, Brandy, because I know sometimes when, when I do these interviews and people see someone, you know, on on television or online or whatever, there's this voice that's a complete lie that tells mm-hmm. people, you know, yeah, God did that for her or it worked out for her, but th- th- that won't happen for me. Yeah. Can this happen for anybody?
1: This can happen for anyone. I actually, um, in my chapter on shame, talk about that voice in our head. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, all of us have that. And I had to really, I was in a coaching session um, a couple of years ago. And I remember saying to the coach, like, I just, I don't know that I'm capable of starting this business. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know that I'm capable of, what i feel like i'm supposed to be doing and i keep hearing i'm not a good time manager and you're not really a good leader and he said whose voice is that (laughs) yeah and i had to do some reflection and really identify that voice is the voice of my ex-husband and that's not the voice i want in my head i want the voice of god in my head so i ask myself all the time when that pops up whose voice do i hear Mm -hmm. And then I remind myself, let it be God's. I want God's truth in my head. I want God's reminder that he wants healing for me, that he wants closeness with me. He wants intimacy in a relationship with me, that he is preparing a path um, that is full of, you know, goodnesses of his goodness mm-hmm. um, in ways that only he can do. So I think replacing those lies, cause we all have it, it might not be an ex-husband. It might be a coach, you know, who told you you weren't good enough or a teacher who said you weren't smart enough, or it might be a parent who told you they wish they'd never had you. Um, mm. Also, you know, the voice of Satan at times in our heads, bouncing around and telling us what is, you know, not true about us. So I think you have to identify that voice and replace it with the voice of God.
0: You know, I think you just coined a word there. Goodness is because I, and I like that because <laughs> it's not just a one-time thing. That's the pattern of God is goodness over and over and over. And even yes. when we don't feel like, and that's why I love the fact that you 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 bring your anger your hurt your questions to god because his response is goodness
1: yes. and that's and his desire awesome. and
0: and so thank you i just this is very encouraging i know some people need to hear it i'm seeing some good chat on uh, facebook and youtube and we we just need to uh, especially with you know some of the patriarchal systems where we we believe the man over the woman or we value the man over the woman we got to get out from under that and we got to say look you know God has a plan for your life it doesn't matter yeah. and in Christ there's no male or female meaning that that he doesn't treat us differently you know his desire is goodness regardless right. yes, uh, it is. and he'll bring yes, you out of the back. It is. thank you brandy very very you're
1: good. welcome thank <laughs> you so much Randy I've enjoyed the conversation
0: and appreciate all of you guys watching if you know someone that's going oh, through a tough impossible. time hit that share button And let them know God is good, uh, and you can be better than okay. And if you want to pick up that book and help you walk through a situation, it's available where you get books. Appreciate you guys being here. We'll see you again next time on Life Today Live. It is always possible to do the will of God. Nobody can prevent you from doing the will of God.